And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Welcome. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me. 32 years in media, 51 years on the planet. Just enough time for me to uh, not know everything, but I know everything else. And I've been in this business long enough to know how the sausage is made. And uh, I know enough to know better, but I'm doing this anyway. So welcome. Thanks for being here. If you are not subscribed yet, we do invite you to do that. Have your notifications turned on? Because you never know, we might post something that you enjoy and you think is worth sharing. I know it's a, it's, it's a radical concept. If you prefer to listen to podcasts rather than look at video, I mean, I do have a face for radio. Sci-Fi for Me Radio is available on iHeart, Pocket Cast, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Double Twist, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Listen Notes. So if you have a preference, there you go. All those different places where we are available. And of course, podcasts.com is where we are hosted at the moment. We also have a newsletter. We invite you to sign up for that. It's going out on a fairly regular, semi-regular basis, trying to get uh, information to you. Uh, It's not as regular as I would like it to be, but we're working on that. I only have the one head and two hands and only so many hours in the day. So speaking of which, next week... I will be out on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, I got the call to work the Big 12 basketball tournament for ESPN. So day job will uh, be occupying my time. So Wednesday, Mrs. Boss is going to be filling in. And on Thursday, I think we're going to try to do another fairy pee session with SB the Every Fairy. So if any of you are interested in that, that will be available next week. That we'll do another call in and you can ask questions and get questionable life advice from a fairy. So all of that's coming up. Also on Tuesday next week, we will have Joseph Malazzi. Uh, He of Stargate, uh, one of the producers there, will be talking about this new rumor, among other things. We'll be talking about this new rumor about a new animated Stargate series that's apparently in the works over at Netflix. That's according to Giant Freaking Robot, which, you know, it's Giant Freaking Robot. So there could be nothing to this. Uh he says there's nothing to it, uh, so we we will see. Anyway, all right. So um, I got an I got a hold of an email. Wizard 
Wizard World, Wizard Brands, has sent an email out to shareholders about their upcoming plans for 2021. Now, in 2020, uh, there, of course, you know, with the pandemic and the lockdowns and so many different events uh, being affected, essentially canceling an entire industry, among other industries, I mean, various different industries, but the convention circuit was especially hit hard. Not just Comic-Cons, but any kind of trade show, any kind of convention uh, or event out in the, in the general public. Uh, there has been a lot of pain on that front. And Wizard World is among those that tried to figure out a pivot. What do we do instead? And they came up with a, a number of different virtual events. A lot of the different event organizers have uh, have done some kind of virtual offering, and we've we've actually talked about helping out with some of them. We're going to be doing something with TopCon in Topeka, and uh, we've sent some queries out for a couple for a few other events to see if we can do some kind of a virtual thing for uh, for that. But Wizard sends this email out about their 2021 plans, and I want to read from it because it is somewhat telling to see what they're planning to do. And it raises some questions about the rest of the industry and, and the future of conventions in general, because a lot of us were hopeful that 2021, we would start seeing things go back to some kind of normal, at least, you know, sometime soon, but, you know, the th three months, six months, nine months, at some point during 2021, we figured things would start opening back up. And certainly we've seen this with Texas and with Mississippi, with Florida. But at the same time, uh, there is an acknowledgement. We have to recognize that there are going to be people, whether whether everything is safe or not, there are going to be people who are who are not going to want to get out among crowds. And that's perfectly fine. If that's if that's how you are, then that's how you are. You have your own concerns and safety issues, and okay. But this uh, kind of kind of goes along the lines of I don't want to say uh, adapting to the new reality, uh, but maybe contributing to the new reality. Now, Wizard World is got has has a number of different things, but this one here, uh, this email concentrates on the virtual uh, events. And I'm reading from the, the email now, quote, As we move further into 2021, our strategies continue to evolve. At Wizard World Virtual and Wizard World Vault, we are continuing to reposition our approach. After completing over 200 streaming virtual online events, Wizard World Virtual will continue to create and build global interactive online communities for affinity groups. We'll get back to that. By sourcing, producing, marketing, and streaming exclusive proprietary events and signature series content. And they get into some stuff about their Jivo event line, but I want to concentrate and focus specifically on the Wizard World stuff. A little bit later on in the, in the thing. Now, when they, they're talking about affinity groups, they're talking about specific areas of interest. So if you're into comic books, if you're into anime, you're into manga, you're into... 
uh, werewolves, for example. You're into you know supernatural type of things. So affinity groups, gr you know, basically you have all of fandom, and then within fandom you have your Star Wars fans, your Star Trek fans, your you know uh, video gamers, and, and that sort of thing. So those are the affinity groups based on their specific targets of interest. And sourcing, when they talk about sourcing, that basically tells me that they're open to uh, looking to other companies to provide some of this material that they're going to be de uh, developing for their programming, which is fine gives us an opportunity or other companies an opportunity to work with them in partnership if that turns out to be a good business decision for everyone. Uh, so continuing here from the email, quote, following Wizard World Live's last event in Cleveland in early March 2020, we transitioned nimbly to a virtual event format that went from concept to execution in three weeks. And I remember being impressed with the speed at which Wizard World was coming out with virtual things. They were among the first. And I remember commenting at the time that uh, it was a rather quick turnaround and it was impressive in its speed. I don't know how effective and successful they've been. Now, they say they've done 200 of them. And I would suppose that they've made enough money that it's, you know, generally they figure that they can keep doing this. I mean, otherwise, why pursue it if you're not making any money? If it's a revenue stream, if it's a steady revenue stream, then it makes sense to do it. Okay, fine. If it's a loss leader, well, you have to have something else to sell if this is the loss leader and they don't have anything like that. So I'm going to assume that these virtual events have been successful relative to everything else. And, I, you know, they don't cost very much to do. I mean, we do virtual things. We don't have, uh, we don't have celebrity guests. But here on this show, you know, we've had, we've had guests who are well-known authors, award-winning authors. We've had movie directors and movie producers and actors. And, and it's not that difficult to set it up. And it doesn't cost us anything in terms of uh, money or equipment or anything like that because we already have everything in place. You know, we, we pay for our internet. We pay for our, um, our hosting fees for our website. But other than that, you know, we pay for our Zoom account so we can have uh, longer conversations. We can have more guests if we need to. So there are those expenses, but those expenses are already in place that's that's already paid for so we're not out any additional fees uh to do anything online and do anything virtual so i can see where if we were to set up something and if we had a bigger audience and you know say we had 16,000 subscribers instead of 1600 or if we had 160,000 or if we had 1.6 million that would be a nice goal. But if we had that much traffic and 10% of that traffic says, yes, we want to, to pay for access to a specific event, then you can start generating a little bit of revenue. 
and Wizard World doing 200 of these, they've probably figured that they can make a, a dollar or two, and so they're going to keep doing this. All right, continuing. Since March 2020, we have broadcast over 200 interactive virtual events across three platforms, Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube, which are the channels that we use when we broadcast. Programming has included celebrity cast reunions and game shows, concerts, workshops, and how-to classes, gaming with celebrities, cosplay contests, fan panels, and more. Tapping into the international audience potential of our streaming events in, in fourth quarter 2020, Wizard World Virtual launched an international series of streaming events geared toward the Asian market with full translation services and marketing designed for these specific markets. Now, here's where you start to get into uh, the affinity type of things because I... I would not mind having a Spanish channel at some point, having Spanish programming, having Asian programming. Um, part of the part of the the challenge for that is recruiting talent for one, and not speaking the language, making sure that they're not doing anything untoward. I'm not going to assume they would, but you know, it's those kind of things where you sit there and say, well, you know, we want to we want to make sure that everything's on the up and up. But we're a long ways off from having a Spanish channel. You know, though, I think that would that would probably be something that I think would be worth looking into at some point. Maybe. I don't know. We'll put a pin in that and circle back to it. <clears throat> All right. Uh, based, continuing from the email, based on the success of this endeavor, Wizard World Virtual plans to continue to expand into more international markets in 2021, ideally creating a global demand for our original affinity content. To augment our move to an all-online approach, in quarter one of 2020, we launched an e-commerce site, Wizard World Vault. And that goes into the stuff about the, you know, memorabilia and things for sale and, and that sort of thing. So we skip down here. <clears throat> they say they're reaching an average of 1.5 million people weekly through those platforms. Okay. So talking about the future, they say, quote, due largely to the enormous changes in society during this past year, we believe online activity and connection through virtual communities are more important than ever. We see great opportunity to build on our reputation as a premier online destination for like-minded affinity groups. They see they keep saying affinity groups. They're preparing you. They're laying the groundwork here for what they're about to do. And it's interesting what they're about to do. And it's very telling to, to see what they're about to do. <clears throat> Continuing here, in March 2021, Wizard World Virtual plans to launch its signature series, the next generation of the Wizard World Virtual platform based on a subscription model. This platform will introduce Wizard World Virtual to new audiences as we work to build interactive communities of affinity groups offering unique virtual and e-commerce experiences. We believe we can grow our communities in breadth but also in depth 
as we drill down into niche groups eager for VIP access to industry experts, influencers, and behind-the-scenes access. We're currently sourcing and looking to produce signature series in the subjects, including... And this is where we get into affinity groups. Now, let me interrupt this and stop and consider what Wizard World has been all these years. The Wizard World conventions are Comic-Cons. They're comic book conventions. They're, they're genre conventions, cosplay and, and comic books and, and superheroes and, and science fiction and fantasy and horror and that kind of thing, right? Here's what they got planned next. Subjects including hunting and fishing, self-defense, sports teams, musicians, authors, baking and cooking, home and garden, auto racing and enthusiasts, mainstream television, comics, comic series, cosplay. So that to me is the biggest takeaway of any of this because Wizard World, which has been known for all these years for conventions specifically in the genre community and genre fandom, science fiction, fantasy, comic books, pop culture, they are about to branch out, and I guess maybe somebody over there is reading the tea leaves, reading the writing on the wall. Those 200 events that they've done might have generated some revenue, but it might not have generated enough revenue. Or they see this as a way of, well, we made, we made so much money doing this one, why don't we do it for other categories? I mean, it could go either way. The, 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 the reasoning behind it could be any of those things or a combination of those things. But Wizard World is now getting ready to branch out into events that have absolutely nothing to do with their core audience. They're going to start digging out and staking claims in other categories, affinity groups, Basically saying, what we did in Comic-Cons, we're going to start doing in bake-offs, cooking shows, self-defense classes, hunting and fishing. And, and that's fine. They want to do that. But I think it's also an indicator of where some of this is about to go. Yes, Mrs. Boss? Well, I'm just thinking out loud because I remember when Wizard World originally started announcing that they were going to be doing the virtual online events and just how ridiculously expensive they were. Yeah. Because you're sitting there and paying to do a virtual online event the same amount of money you would sit and pay for standing in line for X amount of time to sit and say hi to William Shatner, shake his hand, have him sign something. But this is virtual. You don't even get to breathe the same air that William Shatner is breathing. Right. And I'm looking at this list of things to do that they're looking to do in these other non 
things that they're choosing to do and wondering, so how much are they going to charge to teach you how to fly fish? Well, you know what I mean? I, I'm just, and I mean, this, I get they need to make some money somewhere because we haven't been able to do that with the conventions. But, you know, looking at what they were charging versus what other groups were charging for something maybe a little bit more personal as much as you can get over, you know, the Internet. Yeah. Well, and, you know, hello, Mazurus. Welcome to the chat. Uh, good to see you in here. Um, yeah, I think... <sighs> The other part of that, and when they talk about sourcing, they're talking about contracting with other people to produce some of this programming, which is fine. It's an opportunity. Like, like say, if we wanted to do something where we created the program and we provided it for them, then maybe that's an opportunity for us to make some money. If we if we sit there and go, okay, well, we want to do this, and we're going to split the gate, or we'll 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 you know you cover our expenses or whatnot. But there's only so much that you can do virtually. Um, you know, like you like you said, it's the interaction is not as personal. It's not as intimate. Which in this day and age, with the you know everybody having such a fear of the pandemic, you know, intimate is probably a thing of the past at least for a while. But this idea that we're going to, you know, what do you do with a virtual event centered around hunting and fishing? Um, what do you do with a virtual event around baking and cooking? Now, now I, I got to admit, some of our, you know, some of our, our the, the YouTube channels that we follow here, they're starting to spread out a little bit more. I mean, MechaRandom42 is doing some cooking streams. And we could do a cooking stream, I guess. Maybe. I mean, the Sci-Fi Channel even did it. So, <laughs> how does could... Mr. Boss burn his steak? I, I don't burn steak. <laughs> I don't burn steak. Your steak is a. You insult a dead animal. No, I don't. Yes, uh, you do. No, Thomas over at Multiverse Tonight over on Twitch says no one breathes Shatner's air. He brings it in cans. <laughs> <laughs> I think balls, I air. think if if Wizard World does this right, there's an opportunity here. Um, but also they are probably like they did in the beginning of all of this, they're probably going to charge too much. And people are not going to want to have anything to do with it. Now, there will, there will be people that will want to participate. And there will be other people that will look at this model and do their own version of it. And we've had conversations with event organizers. Uh, TopCon, I mentioned them. TopCon Pop Expo in Topeka, Kansas. We're talking to them about providing some kind of virtual track to go along with their in-person event. It's coming up, I believe. When when is TopCon? Is it October? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I have had a number of conversations with authors, with creators, comic book creators about what happens when conventions open back up. 
And the fact of the matter is there are going to be people who are not going to want to go to a convention because the crowds are going to be there and they're just not ready to do that kind of interaction yet. Well, and we've seen that online with the chatter with even some of these smaller pop-up one-day conventions that are only for a few hours at a local, you know, whether it's a shop or they actually have in a small event space. And they, you know, these the people, even though the events are doing what they can do on their own side for social distancing between mm-hmm. the vendors, not having panels, things to that effect, you know, the event space and the event holders can only do so much. It really comes down to the people who show up. And you have those who went and say, oh, they did a really great job. But then you've got ones that they take pictures, kind of like when some of the high school students went back to school and you've got a full uh, hallway mm-hmm. of students who are doing nothing. So it really comes down to them. But, um, and we've we've discussed this in the past that, you know, and you've discussed it with some of the other people that it's going to be these smaller events that are going to be successful. I, I think mean, so. you may not have the full McCormick place like C2E2 to really get some sens- social distancing in, but it comes down to people using their brains to make those around them more comfortable regardless of what they feel. Well, and part of that too is with your bigger events, you're going to have, like you mentioned, you know, McCormick space. Uh, or McCormick Place, rather, where you can have those big venues and limit how many people that you have in the vendor space. You could spread those people out. That that means you're going to take a hit on the vendor fees because if you don't have as many, if you're going to spread them out in that same space, if you're going to spread them out with the whole social distancing thing, then you're not going to have as many people paying that vendor fee to be in that space. So either you're going to have to spend money to get more room at McCormick Place, which then kind of defeats the purpose because you're not saving anything. But if you have fewer people as vendors, if you have fewer vendors in the same size space, then how do you offset those costs? So the vendor fees are probably going to go up. I was going to say, that's the problem, is you're going to have those vendor fees go up, and you're going to have your main vendors that are always there, DC or Marvel or anything like that, and then you've got Average Joe, who's coming from Little Town, Arkansas, Mm -hmm. who has saved up to be able to go and put his product out there Who's not going to be able to afford it? So my question then comes down to, are they? how are they going to do that? I mean, are they going to start having different tiers for vendors so that everybody gets an equal chance, even though there's going to be less possible openings? I think, Because well, this could really... Most of the time, most of the time, vendor spaces, a lot of them are first come, first serve. You have your, your reserve spaces for the things like DC and Hasbro and and Marvel. And, and and I would say that they probably get contacted first. Hey, do you guys want a space? Here's how much it's going to be. And they build those other spaces around those big exhibitors because the big exhibitors like DC or, or um, Sideshow Collectibles or Her Universe, they're at a completely different tier, like you say, from, you know, Adam Comics, who buys a table 
uh, you're not buying, you know, because uh, an exhibitor space is probably a, the equivalent of somewhere between five or six, seven different spaces as opposed to a single space for a vendor. So the vendor spaces, a lot of times that's first come, first serve. But I think that the smaller events are going to have a better chance at surviving all of this than the bigger events because your smaller events already are small. And so they can spread out a little bit more in the same space because your attendance numbers, that's where the critical key aspect of this is. Your, your attendance numbers, you know, Smallville, Smallville Con is going to get maybe 2,000, 3,000 people coming through there as opposed to 70,000 or 80,000 that you'd get someplace like Planet Comic Con. So, so the logistics of that are such that you, that you, have to figure out how you how you control the traffic flow and you know spread the spread the tables out and i think the smaller conventions have a better chance at managing all of that than the bigger ones do because dragon con san diego comic con um new york comic con those cost a lot of money to put together. And so your overhead is such that you're going to, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have to figure out a way to cover those expenses if you've got fewer people actually participating. And so you've oh. got that virtual track that I think is going to come into that for a lot of these events. Well, one of the things I kept saying last summer before Dragon Con was um, going, gone ahead, decide to go virtual is now I've never been to dragon con. I've only heard about it, seen pictures, read up, whatever. But one of the things that, you know, with dragon con that makes it a little bit more unique than like C2E2 or New York or whatever, or San Diego is that it's in multiple locations in downtown Atlanta. Right. And my thought at the time was that they had the best chance of being able to hold their event because of that now my question i'm curious will i i mean i think dragon con could possibly go on this year because you know each location can do what their thing and yeah it's, it's it costs and there's could be less people there but i'm wondering if maybe some of these larger other large conventions will look at that model as a way of being able to well hold it I don't know. I mean, like you said, no, there's the I, I costs, it, yeah. the there's ways around it. Well, and that goes back to uh, the original model for all of these being in the hotel, being in the, you know, in the ballrooms and the conference centers and that sort of thing where you have uh, you have them in a space uh, that's kind of limited anyway. If you have uh, uh, the time during during uh, part of the year where your weather is good, I don't see why you couldn't do some of this outside. And some events are doing, like you said, I've these, seen that. Yeah, these little pop ups where the the um, uh, they're doing stuff outdoors. They're doing you know different kinds of events, you know, sales and and you know collectibles and and signings and and creator appearances and that sort of thing that are 
uh, outdoors, uh, outside the comic book shop. I mean, uh, Elite Comics here has done done that a number of times. So, hang on. Um, Go ahead. Arc- I think there was one in Arkansas or Louisiana that they were going to do it outside. And they're like, if the weather is awful that weekend, we'll go to the next weekend. And going outside when the weather is, you know, works with you may offer more flexibility than taking up an event space inside. Yeah. Because then they can shift around. Well, and and the only problem that you run into there is the fact that you have, you know, you have weather to contend with. And if it does get bad, uh, then you have to have some way of adapting and, and get into an indoor space. If the weather, you know, turns ugly, you know, you get rain and lightning and that sort of thing. But seeing Wizard World pivot into non-genre, that has me thinking that for a lot of these, uh, a lot of these event organizers, they're going to have to start thinking about some kind of pivot in order to maintain. It's like we were seeing with the comic book shops. You know, comic book shops are essentially on their last legs they are barely surviving and when you have uh when you have a lot of shops that their revenue depends on funko pops and game you know board games and uh role playing games and that kind of thing and the comic book shop is not making money on off of comic books this is the same kind of thing i think we're going to see in the conventions where you're going to have a lot of these pop culture conventions that are going to pivot into other categories besides just um, genre, you know, science fiction, fantasy, supernatural, horror, comic books, video games, anime, that kind of thing. Because we've already seen some of this with so many conventions inviting professional wrestlers in to be guests. So there was already a movement afoot to uh, to do this kind of thing where you've got uh, you've got people uh, that are coming in that are not uh, the genre the the typical genre that you would expect out of this. So it is it is what it is. It's one of those things where things are going to uh, be in flux. I guess you could say for a while. I don't know. It's going to be one of those things. Now we've talked about it here, doing some virtual stuff. We've talked about doing our own little virtual convention, mini con type of thing where we have different panels and uh, guests and, and interviews and, and such. And I think we could realistically do something uh, we would have to figure out uh, a few of the logistics and the technical aspects of things. One of the one of the biggest challenges that I'm facing at the moment is learning Discord. We have a Discord channel. I haven't done anything with it because I haven't had time to learn how best to utilize Discord in the mix of everything else that we've got. But you know, we've got Zoom, and we could do some kind of behind a paywall event uh, that would be something similar along the lines of some kind of a virtual con or a virtual panel or, or, or interview session or something like that. So we could do something like that. We just have to figure out uh, how best to implement uh, 
uh, such. And we'd have to figure out our plan, figure out the logistics of it. And I'm of two minds about that kind of thing. One, we do all of this stuff for free. We don't have anything behind a paywall at the moment. And as much as I'd like to keep it that way, uh, I do see some opportunities where we could do some kind of revenue revenue generating events that would help us, you know, cover expenses for other things that we do. Now, of course, we do have the Subscribestar account. We don't have any activity on it yet. Uh, but if you want to throw money our way, there's the PayPal option. There's the Subscribestar option, uh, and you know, it's it's nobody's obligated to to do anything you know supporting us or or anything like that we we do this because we enjoy doing it would i like to be able to pay all of our contributors yes absolutely i would and so if we if we look at some potential to generate revenue through online programming then that might be something that we look at i don't know yet because um, I don't know what kind of what kind of programming people would pay for uh, in on our channel uh, that you couldn't get anywhere else. You know how do you how do you put that together? What does that look like? Uh, are we are do we need to focus on celebrity interviews? Uh, do we do tutorial panels? You know how to sessions or do we do you know do we feature cosplayers what what kind of things would you pay to see on this channel that i guess that's the question so maybe we need to put together some kind of a user survey a, a, an audience survey to see just what people are interested in because you know we did that at the very beginning when we came back in 2019 you know late 2018 early 2019 we had a survey that we put out and Based on the answers we got there, we made decisions uh, in our programming and our in our in our plan how to implement things here and what we were, what we were focused on, and we may need to do that again. It's it's I think past time that we do another market survey to figure out where our audience is, what they would like for us to do, uh, what they don't want us to do, because that's just as important an answer as anything else. So if you're uh, if you've got ideas, if you have suggestions, you're more than welcome to share those with us. Either you know, leave us a comment or send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com and let us know. And maybe we can put something together that is worth the time, but also possibly worth your money. But we'd have to figure out what that looks like because it's not something that we've done before. We've talked to different events about doing some, some free programming and some paywall programming. And there are some conversations being had there, but it's nothing, you know, nothing where we've actually sat down and said, okay, here's our plan. This is what it's going to cost. This is how much we're going to make because it's a new thing for us. I would love to be able to get out to conventions again and sit in the space and broadcast from the floor of the event like we did at, uh, at Planet Comic Con, like we did at Worldcon, like we've done at Smallville and TopCon. That's a, that's a critical key component to our programming that we haven't been able to do this past year. 
and I really would like to get back to doing that. So we'll have to figure that out. It's possible now that a few states are opening up, maybe we concentrate our efforts there. You know, Texas, Mississippi, um, Florida, figure out where we can do what we want to do and then go from there and figure out how we can how we can best implement it. Uh, I, I would also like to have sponsors, uh, advertisers, people who, you know, companies who can, uh, who are willing to take a, take a risk and just throw a little bit of money our way. Uh, we don't have a huge audience yet, but we're getting there slowly. I mean, again, 1,600 subscribers is not a lot. 16,000 is not a lot, but it's better than 1,600. So right now, my goal is 2,000 subscribers by Labor Day weekend. I don't know if we'll make that, but it would be nice to get there. And any of you who are willing to help us get there by sharing uh, links to our channel and, and encouraging your friends to, to check us out, that would be a big help. And comments on the videos, apparently, besides, besides throwing up the thumbs up, comments on the videos help with the YouTube algorithm, apparently, in combination when both of those are there. Then, uh, then YouTube takes a closer look and says, oh, well, hey, I guess people like this. We'll recommend it to other people. So the YouTube algorithm continues to change. And we continue to try to figure out how to adapt best to it. And right now, the information that I've got says a thumbs up and a comment is uh, helpful for the algorithm to recommend our videos in other channels and other streams. So anybody that's willing to do that, uh, I'm, not going to, uh, I'm not going to object if you would like to share the channel. If you're new to the channel and you haven't subscribed yet, we do invite you to do so because that also helps our numbers. And if you have subscribed and you haven't been getting any notifications from us of late, double check and make sure you're still subscribed because we've had some people let us know that YouTube is unsubscribing people from channels and they've unsubscribed them from our channel. So the 1,613 subscribers that we have may not actually be all of the subscribers we're supposed to have because YouTube's taken some of them away. And that's not kosher YouTube. We don't like that. Now, of course, we are also trying to build up our Twitch channel. So if you're a subscriber on our YouTube channel, I would invite you to consider following us also on Twitch. And that's twitch.tv slash sci-fi for me. We've got plans over there for watch parties, uh, which would involve being able to sit down and screen a movie or a television show out of the Amazon Prime library and do a running commentary as we screen the show. So you can actually watch and you're not, you're not watching a YouTuber with a mirror or you're just everybody hits play on the DVD player at once, you're actually able to watch the show. So we're going to be doing some of that as well. Currently, we're sitting at 78 followers over on Twitch. I'd like to get that number up. 
So if you are uh, on Twitch or if you've got a Twitch account or if you've got friends that are on Twitch, gamers uh, especially, cosplayers are over there, then we would appreciate a follow on that front as well. All right, so that's going to do it for us today. Don't forget, uh, next week, Mrs. Boss will be filling in. SB the Every Fairy will be here filling in. Joseph Malazzi, our guest, on Tuesday. We're working on Monday, trying to figure out uh, uh, whether or not we've got a guest on Monday. We're coordinating schedules right now to try to figure that out. Tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central, we've got a brand new discussion in the Ranker Pit talking Star Wars. And I think we're going to try to have a little bit more fun with the conversation tonight. I don't know. We, we may talk about the latest stuff with Gina and Bill Burr and that kind of thing, but we might, uh, we might lighten it up a little bit. We'll see. So that's tonight at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. And then, of course, on uh, Saturday, we will have all the headlines for the week in uh, science fiction, fantasy, and horror over on Good Morning Multiverse, which is at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central. And I believe, I believe this weekend we've got a new Foreign Bodies at 1 p.m. Eastern. And I do believe we're going to do it live. So that's all coming up this weekend. Uh, Mazers, we might invite you to come on and argue about Hondo. I mean, if, you've got, uh, if you've got some thoughts, we'd like to have them. Uh, at the very least, you can throw them up in the chat tonight and uh, let us know what you think about that. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks very much for being here, everyone. We always appreciate everybody that shows up. Those of you who keep showing up, uh, that's great. It, it is something that we, we should never lose sight of the fact that our audience is the most valuable thing uh, that we have here, you know, in terms of time and resources, we've got all of these things that we do, all of this equipment, and we have we have staff and we have people, and we're doing all of these programs. But without the audience, it doesn't really mean much. I mean, yeah, we can be talking to ourselves here essentially. We're glad you show up. We're glad you keep showing up, and as long as you keep showing up, we'll keep doing something. You let us know if it's worth the time and effort by, by being here. And so we appreciate all of you in our audience who continue to come back because I guess we're doing something that you like. And we'll keep doing that for as long as we can. All right. Back on Monday, more live from the bunker tonight, Ranker Pit. A couple of things to keep in mind. When a useful idiot is no longer useful. He's just an idiot. And as always, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.